Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church. And we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Grateful for you, Jimmy. I'm grateful for these kiddos every single week as um, we get to engage with them, and they're so much a part of our worship time together. Kiddos, I hope you feel that way. I hope you feel like, man, I'm a part of this. We're in this together. We're better together, and that's absolutely true. Grateful for all of you. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here at First Baptist Church. Have the privilege of preaching and leading here in 4th Street Crossing in Lagos um, worship. If you are new with us today, can I just say, it's really good to have you here. And we would love to have record of your time with us. So if you could even go now to fbcsa.org slash connect, just a simple way to say, hey, I worshiped with you today and, and we would love to make contact with you at a later time to begin a, a friendship and a relationship um, with you. Um, we also um, want to continue to faithfully worship God through giving. Um, and it's also a way that we just partner with this church family and being a part of what God is doing in the city. You can do that also by going to fbcsa.org slash give. It is good to be with you this morning. Can I remind you of our mission statement as the First Baptist family? It goes something like this. We exist to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and lead all others to a joyful life with him. You're gonna hear me say that often. Um, and then at some point, I'm gonna have you say it from memory and see how you do. We'll see how that goes. But we exist to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and lead all others to a joyful life with him. And we absolutely believe that. We believe that as his church, among many sister churches in this city and beyond, are called to be a part of something that God is doing in the whole earth. And that is to bring restoration and new life to everyone who would trust and follow Christ. And so we really believe that we wanna be those kind of heralds in the way that we live, and the way that we speak in this city. And we wanna learn how to do that better, better together to be on mission with the Lord by the power of his spirit. So um, if you have been with us these past 11 weeks, we have been trekking through the book of Job. It hasn't been easy, right? And 
that's no surprise. Uh, Job has experienced incredible suffering and he has asked many questions along the way. Job is clearly angry because uh, in his perspective, and he's right, even God would agree, that he has done nothing wrong that would have led to this kind of judgment or suffering. And so uh, Job has shaken his fist to the Lord. He has demanded um, to go to court with the Lord, uh, to have his day in court. And finally, finally, we are in a place uh, where God speaks. And we've been waiting a long time for this, haven't we? Up to this point, we've just been hearing this conversation between Job and his friends, and it's just been really hard. And God finally speaks. One of the things that I think is important for us to remember about the book of Job is that its purpose, our main heartbeat, is to convey to us wisdom, right? And by wisdom, we mean how do we live in a world like this? And so Job fits along with Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that try to teach us that God is good and he had, has put together an ordered world. We see that in Proverbs, that the fool gets what is due him and the wise uh, flourishes. Uh, and then we see in Ecclesiastes that sometimes the world just doesn't work out the way that you want it to. Uh, but still, you fear the Lord. You do what is right regardless of what uh, you're experiencing in the world. Uh, you make the most of your vocation. Uh, and then we find ourselves in Job, which answers or seeks to answer that age-old question, why in the world does bad things happen to good people? Why does suffering that seems to be so arbitrary happen in our world? And so God uses this narrative that is driven by this conversation between Job and his friends to get to this place where God can say, can I teach you something about how to live in a world where suffering is very real, regardless if you deserve it or not? And that's where we are today. Now, Reverse, Reverse hasn't brought us to Job chapter 28, but I want you to follow along with me in Job chapter 28 because it recenters us to this kind of purpose and prepares us to encounter or receive the words from God in Job 38 through 40, which we'll get to in a moment. So I want you just to receive these words this morning. So I'm gonna pray. I'm going to read Job chapter 28 and you're just going to receive these words and then we're gonna get into God's response to Job. Let's pray. Father, these words are yours. And Lord, we admit we cannot hear them or understand them fully without your spirit. And so we ask that you send your spirit to us even now. Fill us up so that we can see and hear your word and put it into practice in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Job 28. People know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. 
They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes swinging back and forth. Food is grown on the earth above, but down below the earth is melted as by fire. Here the rocks contain precious lupus lazuli and the dust contains gold. These are treasures no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observe. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has ever set his paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom, where they can find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It's not here, says the ocean, nor, nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onyx or lepis lazuli. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral or jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It's worth more than the purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom, where they can find understanding? It's hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed bird in the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say, "Mm, we've heard only rumors of where wisdom can be found. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the winds should blow and how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out a path for the lightning Then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. God, through this book of Job, wants to nudge us into a perspective of wisdom so that we can know how to live in a life where suffering is real, where suffering is real. Um, So Job has been asking lots of questions and God finally answers. Those answers are in Job chapter 38 through 40. We're going to hit several of these verses. Just as a preview, this is kind of a two-parter here. So today is kind of part one of God's wisdom that we find in 38 um, through the beginning of 40. And, And then there is a part two, another principle of wisdom Um, that God addresses as well that we'll get to next week. So today is kind of like part one and verses one through seven of 38. 
Then Job answered, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, who is that, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Um, a few, few thoughts here. One, this is not, this is not necessarily a cozy, compassionate response from the Lord. Lisa doesn't feel that way, right? He's like, you've been asking me some stuff. You've been shaking your fists at me. You've been demanding an audience from me. Well, get ready, because I have some questions for you. But the other thought is this, is that we're reminded in God's response of God's nearness, right? And not just in the words, but the fact that he responded at all, right? Sometimes we can wonder, does God even hear my cries? Does he understand the things I'm wrestling with, the questions that I have and the complaints that I have? And the resounding answer is absolutely. Uh, God heard the complaints and anger of Job and he drew near to him and responded to him. So even though it's not necessarily this cozy moment for Job, he, he is put into place in, in a proper way here, we can take comfort in knowing that God hears us when we cry out to him. He knows our suffering and he draws near to us uh, through his word and through his people. But in verse four, he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And then if we pick up in verses 33 through 41, I'm just gonna pick out some of my favorite verses out of this beautiful powerful, poetic response of God. Um, in fact, I'm gonna back up to verse 28. It says, I love this. Does the rain have a father, Job? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is, who's the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens, from the water, for the water turns to ice as hard as rock and the surface of the water freezes? Can you direct the movement of the stars binding the cluster of the Pleiades or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe, Job? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? I love this. Who, who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? How do thought processes work, Job? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil is hardened into clods? Can you stop, pray for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? And so what we, what we find in these verses is that God is displaying before Job this virtual 
tour of the macro and micro, that God is orchestrating and managing the unknown universe, the things um, that Job cannot even begin to wrap his mind around, nor has he fully experienced. God goes to the bigness of things, the things that he is less familiar with. And he says, do you understand these things, Job? Do you understand these things? And then in, he transitions actually into chapter 39 and he starts, begin, he begins to unveil to Job things that Job is more familiar with, like the goat on the mountainside, right? Or the ostrich or the war horse. And, and Job quickly realizes that even those things that he might be more familiar with, he still knows nothing about. He knows nothing about the things that he should know something, or at least he has some experience with him. Let me just read a few of these verses. My favorite part of 39 is when God starts talking about the war horse. Let's go there. This is 39, chapter, uh, chapter 39, verse 19. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run with the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. It paws the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's commands and the noise of battle. Job, do you know all those things? Do you understand and perceive all those things? And the resounding answer is what? What's the answer? No. No. And that's what he's thinking in his head. No, no, no. I don't get any of that. And God just reminds Job and says, listen, I'm, I want you to know that I'm managing the big and small of everything in all time, in all human history, beyond your comprehension. And God says it in a way to where it's not like he's saying, Job, I just want to tell you that I'm just managing so much. I'm juggling so much in this universe, things that you cannot even begin to understand. I mean, why would you even think that I would be interested in your little old life? Job, I'm just simply way too busy to really consider what you're experiencing. That, that's not the connotation. That's not the feel of these Verses. The, the feel of these verses is God is saying, Job, I want you to begin to understand that while you see very little, I see everything in all time and all history, and I hold it all together, and I'm even holding your life together. I hold all things together. It reminds me of on this side of the gospel. Paul talking about Jesus in that beautiful Christ hymn in chapter one where he says, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. All things were created through him and he holds all creation together. That, that's, 
that's the weight of these pictures that God is painting for Job to see. Remember Job's criticism of the Lord. He never cursed the Lord. He he always ran to the Lord. And Job models this for us that suffering is real, pain is real, anger is real. God is compassionate and empathetic towards us in our suffering. The the scriptures remind us he understands our suffering. We have a savior who sympathizes with our weakness. God is not offended by Job. He receives Job and now ultimately responds to Job. But all along the way, one of the criticisms of Job has been, can I really trust a God like you that allows something like this to happen to me to manage the world and the life in which I live? Can I trust you to do all this? And God answers very clearly to Job. Job, right now in your life, you are consumed by this painful, painful moment. But that's all you see. And you can't even understand that. You don't know the reasons for that, and I'm not gonna tell you the reasons for that. But this is all you see. Can you pause for a minute and consider that while you see just this, I have an infinitely deep and wide perception of all the universe and all time. Job, I see the big picture. And while you perceive that this moment is reckless and hard and painful, I need you to trust that I hold all things together. I'm managing it all. Living wisely in a world like that begins with acknowledging that we all have a very limited, narrow view of the world. And God's view of the world is infinitely deep and wide. So we're gonna do the grown-up version of Jimmy's game. I'm gonna put some pictures up on the screen for you. So let's, let's look at this first picture. Any guesses? What was that? Oh, come on. Seriously? Have you seen this picture before? She has seen it before. It's absolutely a banana. Let's see how you guys do the night. Oh, did anyone guess a banana? Anyone? Mark, did I just see your hand go up? You guessed it was a banana? Well done. Well done. Well played. Okay. Let's see about this one then. That's a good one. It's a good one. I'm not going to tell you what this is. All right, let's go to the last one. Let's go to the last image. Y'all can guess this one. That perfect, perfect, perfect. It is salt. It is salt. Uh, y'all are just going to have to hold on to the second one. I may or may not tell you. I mean, that's the kind of tension God leaves us with, right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the bigger, I'm not going to tell you what it's going to look like. Anyway, um, but isn't that true? Isn't that true of us? Uh, that we can be consumed by the moments in we, that we live in. 
and the experiences are real, and sometimes in Job's case, they're, they're painful and hard, but we can't find wisdom confining ourselves by peering into the moment alone, right? But we have to understand that there is a God who sees the full breadth of the full picture. And not only that, but even this moment fits into the broader picture that God is managing and orchestrating for his people, for us, for us. So how do we live in a world uh, where we can be caught up in the moment? How do we live wisely uh, with a God who sees the big picture while we do not? And you can't possibly see the big picture. Um, none of us can, although we, we are the church and we do have the word of God that really helps us out here. But um, I have a little puzzle piece in, in my hand. I don't know how many of you can see what's on that puzzle piece. Can y'all see that? I didn't think so, but I can. This is my little puzzle piece. This is my little puzzle piece, and um, I know it fits into a bigger picture, but this is a messy little, and in fact, I really don't know what this image is. I really, I really don't. I know it fits into a larger puzzle. And um, sometimes this little piece of the puzzle uh, can leave us wondering why in the world is something like that happening to me? Why, why, uh, why didn't I get into the school that I wanted to get into? Um, why this illness? Um, why did that happen to her? Uh, when is this going to stop? And we can't even begin to perceive how this fits. And yet we have the promises of God that says, not only do I understand the deep and wide of the big picture, but I know also exactly where this fits. And the big picture's good. And the big picture is good. Living wisely doesn't necessarily mean we know or understand all the details and the reason, uh, reasons for everything. God never answered Job and told him the reasons. He just said, trust my management and my perception of the universe. I see everything. Um, but the good news, the good news for us, Christian, is that God doesn't leave us hanging at all. Um, he may not reveal every single reason, but he has shared with us the big picture. We know this. Let me just read a few verses that I think um, are exactly what the church needed to hear at the time. Um, and it's exactly what we need to hear, especially when we can just get caught up in looking at our one little piece at one little moment or season in our life, we need to be reminded that there is a much bigger picture that God is holding together and putting together. This is Romans chapter eight. Uh, this is a verse we throw around all the time. Sometimes we use it 
inappropriately at the wrong time, but we need to hear this today. Paul wrote to a church that was beginning to ache and hurt, right? Persecution was beginning to come. It was very local. It wasn't universal. Uh, The church was wondering. They didn't have the New Testament. Most of them, or probably none of them, had ever seen Jesus face to face. And they're wondering, how in the world do we follow Christ? I mean, we're beginning to lose jobs. Some of us are getting thrown into prison. Some of our businesses are being shut down. How in the world do we live in a world like that? What is God up to? I thought God was doing new things through Jesus. This is what Paul says. And we know because of the work of Jesus. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Big picture. God is placing the pieces together. All things everything to work together for the good of those who love Christ and are called according to his purpose. This is not necessarily intended to be this cozy verse that we just throw around. You know, God's just going to put your life all together. Um, I think this is a gutsy verse to people who are hurting This is a gutsy verse where Paul is saying, can I just tell you that because of the work of Jesus who died on the cross and rose victorious over sin and death, it's Jesus, the son of God, that can even especially take those hardest moments in life and he can fit that all together and do something brand new. And not just for us as individuals, but for his Church, I'm doing something in my church all over the world who are hurting and suffering because they're following Christ or they're just hurting and suffering because life is hard and I'm gonna take everything, I'm gonna cause everything to work together for your good. And listen to these verses. What shall we say about such wonderful things like that? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. And we know these verses. God goes down in verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can the most intense suffering separate you from the promise of God that we have in his son Jesus? No, because God is putting together the big picture. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Christian, we have the big picture. We have the big picture. And living wisely in a world where bad things happen to good people does not mean we understand all the reasons why, but it does mean we entrust ourselves even in those painful moments that we come to him with. We don't run away from him, we run 
to him and we, we complain to him, we ask questions of him, but we, in the midst of all of that, we don't lose sight of the kind of God that we can trust to manage it all and put it all together for our good, for our good, the church. Um, so growing up, most of you know I grew up on the mission field. I was born in France. My first airplane ride was when I was six months old. Much of my life, I've been traveling to point A to point B every three or four years or less. We're on two or three planes traversing the world. When I was younger, when I was younger, uh, I entrusted all of that process to my parents. Right? It was time to go pack our stuff. We, someone drops us off at the airport. We fly, fly from Lome, Togo to Amsterdam. Layover, maybe miss our flight. Maybe flight was delayed. Uh, Amsterdam to Atlanta and then back. All along the way. Now I know where we're headed, even, even if it was just, hey, you're gonna see Mama and Papa, right? We're, we're going back to that place where you see them. I knew where I was headed. I kind of had the big picture. But all along the way, I just entrusted the process to my parents to get me from point A to point B. And maybe I asked questions along the way. Hey, why, why, are we, why do we have to spend the night in Amsterdam? Why is the flight delayed? Uh, why did we lose our luggage? I, I don't know. I'm sure I had lots of questions along the way, but I trusted my parents to get me exactly where we were headed. And that's what the Lord is asking of Job. Job, I, I have this. I know where you're going. And I know all the little details all in between. And I know you don't understand what's going on right now. But will you entrust to me the process to get you there? Job needed to be nudged back into a wise way of life where he could not just shake his fist at the Lord or throw questions at the Lord and be angry at the Lord, but learn to trust the Lord right where he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this story of Job. Um, and Lord, we ask you to help us right now as, uh, uh, as we're all in our own moments in this life that you've given us. But, but help us to trust you to fulfill the bigger picture, even if, and especially when we don't understand the moment. Lord, we need that. Lord, we're grateful for your care, your provision. We're grateful for your son who makes the big picture possible. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.